G'day everybody and welcome to episode 10 of Expand the Phantom podcast. Uh, today I've got Jermaine back with me. How are you, Jermaine? Not bad. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Joe. Thank you, everyone else. Have a nice time off. Yeah, it was. It was. I um, went on a went on a cruise and uh, with a wedding and spent some time in um, uh, Queensland and New South Wales. Um, got to catch up with uh, Gary and Chris. Um, we've heard them on one of these podcasts before, so that was nice. And um, got to go through a couple of uh, fan comic book stalls and stuff like that. So yeah, but it was good. Oh, that's cool. Did you um, end up going to Free Comic Book Day? Yesterday, Um, yeah, we do. um, uh, Quality Comics uh, in Perth does it quite well. I have cosplayers, and um, I went a couple of years ago when it was still, you know, gathering momentum, and it was huge. Like, you you know, the line almost went out the door. Um, You know, so but I didn't go. Like, I didn't go yesterday. Um, I was planning on it, but um, yeah, my wife was sick, so. I basically spent home and looked after her. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, um, I went and uh, it was the biggest turnout my little comic store in Newcastle has had. It was the first time they've had um, cosplays there. There was Batman and Robin and uh, the Penguin and uh, who else was there? Poison Ivy, I think, and Zatanna, lots of DC characters. But, yeah, it was really good. There was all ages there, parents with their kids. Um, it was great. So it was good. it's good to see it turn out. Unfortunately, Dynamite didn't do a free Phantom comic, but um, oh well, maybe one day. Okay, so. Yeah, maybe one day. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe if they launch the um, the new Phantom series, which uh, actually takes us into what we're going to be talking about this episode, which will basically be a news and um, new issues wrap up since uh, last time we did an episode. So I guess the first uh, news story to talk about is that there is the possibility of uh, a new Solo, Phantom and Mandrake series from Dynamite. Um, In an interview with New Hampshire paper, The Telegraph, uh, Dynamite basically hinted that if their Solo Flash series, which um, sort of spun out of the events of uh, King's Watch, is a success, then they'll follow that up with a solo, another solo Phantom series, and possibly a solo Mandrake series. Um, what also gives this credence is that uh, DE are building what they're calling the Gold Key Universe, where they're reviving a whole bunch of the Gold Key characters, which they have already done with um, Solar, Man of the Atom, Turok, Magnus, Robot Fighter, and others. Um, so hopefully we'll, this will happen. I'd say it will be um, the Phantom that is in the King's Watch that is in that series if it does happen, rather than the Phantom that was in the last Phantom. So whether we'll ever see a continuation to the last Phantom is anyone's guess. Um, do you reckon we've got a good chance of seeing this new series, Jermaine? Um, well, I don't I don't know if, what the popularity of Voltron and all those other characters you are but, that you mentioned, but I would have thought that um, the Phantom would be a lot more popular than those. Um, <clears throat> I was uh, managing to... I've spoken to a few comic book um, owners, people that run the shop and all that, 
and all of them going from King's Comic in uh, Sydney, going to Comics Etc. in Queensland, and also um, uh, Quality Comics in uh, here in Perth. They've all said that the King's Watch has sold out, um, that they can never get enough issues in. Um, when I was in Brisbane, I actually, uh, I actually went to three comic book stores uh, the day after it came out on the Thursday, and they had sold out of them every, out of every single shop. Wow, that's pretty cool. And when I was at uh, Free Comic Book Day yesterday, so, uh, I had a look to see if there's any variant covers that I needed, and they didn't have any issues there either. Mm. So I think it's safe to say that it's popular, um, and every and they've all said, oh yeah, you know, I really love the Defenders of the Earth, um, you know, really enjoying the, the series and all that. So I think they've struck a chord. Um, I think the King's Watch is, is probably a lot more truer, even though there's that major twist in the end, which we'll get to when we do the review podcast. But it's a lot more truer to the character than what um, uh, The Last Phantom was. Mm-hmm. So, um, and apparently the new Flash series as well is is enjoyable as well. So I don't know how popular it is. I um, haven't followed that one up, but... Someone that I've spoken to said that it was it was actually enjoy, it was an enjoyable um, enjoyable read the first issue that came out about a month ago so so yeah you hope so yeah yeah it'll be interesting to um, to see if they do more King's Watch you know as with the three character officers four and counting Lothar as a team and um, be interested to see what they do with Mandrake as well how they'll tackle his series if they go with the um, illusionist thing or they'll investigate the magic um, that's kind of hinted at in King's Watch more. Mm. So. Well, they've really, um, they've really, not messed, but they've really twisted the whole lore of the Phantom and also of the Mandrake in a King's Watch. Um, so the, the stories, the... Um, the I guess the story ideas are there because they've you're going to need a couple of um, issues to explain the twist that they've put in. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think it's there. I think the writer's quite uh, is very well. As I know, he's doing the new Flash. Um, I would assume that if he's he's probably got probably first dibs on the Phantom slash Mandrake or the Phantom and or Mandrake series. So um, if he does do it, I will be quite um, quite comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah, Jeff Parker's stuff has has been really good. Oh, well, let's hope we um we get we get that series. So hopefully, we'll find out find out soon. So um another news item we have is the uh, ongoing saga of Shocker Toys Phantom figure. Um, I did put a huge article about this up on on the website, which you can go and read if if people haven't seen it, but basically um, in 2010, a company called Shocker Toys said they were going to reduce a series of figures in a line called Indie Spotlight, one of which was to be the Phantom. People, including myself and Jermaine, I'm pretty sure you did too, and lots of other people pre-ordered that figure, and um, it never, ever came out. Basically, we were given every excuse under the sun by Shocker Toys as to why it wasn't coming out. But we uh, never saw it. Cut to now, and a in 
inverted commas, new company um, called, uh, what's the name of it? I think it's GFJR Toys or something like that. Uh, GBJR yeah. Toys. Yeah, has said that they've bought out Shocker. Um, they have no <coughs> link. They have no link to Shocker, and that they will try and get the figures out to people who um, pre-ordered them as soon as possible. The only thing is that the no link uh, to Shocker Toys is a complete fabrication because the guy that owns uh, GBJR Toys, George Beckett, is the exact same guy who ran. Uh, sorry, the guy that that ran um, Shocker Toys now runs this GBJR company. So it's the same person. So basically, um, don't get your hopes up that you'll ever see these figures. Uh, it may happen, but but I highly doubt it, to be honest. Um, Jermaine, you, you would have got that email too, saying they were coming? Yes. Um, playing devil's advocate, on the good side, on the good, the good thing is, is that he did email everyone to say yeah. you know that it's going to come out and stuff like that so that's a good thing um you know th- there's a lot of negative um press about it we all know that he's you know dodgier than a two dollar bill <laughs> um well from what one of the contacts that i have actually said that he didn't lose the uh molds as some of the rumors or some of the excuses he um uh, he said were because um, he didn't lose. Yeah, so I've been told that he didn't actually lose the moulds and he basically just ran out of money from what I've got told. Um, I Apparently there were some other companies that were keen to um, take over or uh, like, not take over, but... Um, do the do the do the run instead of uh, GB or Shocker Toys, but um, <clears throat> but King Features wouldn't let wouldn't let them who own the Phantom rights um, wouldn't let them. So yeah, well, so it's in, it's been interesting. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of it's got to do with the fact that he really just did run out of money. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know maybe. Maybe, maybe he's got it now because um, he didn't have to send that email out, so that's a good thing. Um, so I, I, I'm still hopeful that we get it, but um, yeah, I, I got the the early bird purchase or something, which was a little bit more, but you were promised some extra, some extras and stuff like that. But I think the best advice that I can give everyone who has brought it is uh, dig out your PayPal receipt or your credit card receipt um, and email in and just continually email in, you know, every couple of months or, you know, every six months or something like that because um, every time I've done that, he has replied. So, um, so yeah, so that's probably the best advice I could give. Yeah, well, the emails were sent around March, and so we're now going into May, so hopefully we won't have too long to find out if we actually um, get the figures or not, what's going on with them. Mm. Did he say 10 weeks or 8 uh, weeks? 8 to 10. 8 to 10. So when is 10 weeks? Uh, 10 weeks will be about halfway through May, so around the 12th. Okay. So, yeah, so maybe at the end of uh, May, everyone needs to um, start emailing them and asking where our figures is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
maybe we can um, do something. Maybe we can send out a, a reminder um, article on yes. the Chronicle Chamber or on Facebook or something to, um, yeah. for everyone to start emailing him. <laughs> yeah, Swampy's inbox. Well, it might be the only way. Yeah. Right. We'll do that then. Okay, so um, another news item, a rather sad uh, story, is that the Phantom Forum, the uh, longest-running Phantom message board on the internet that used to be associated with deepwoods.org, uh, Brian Sheridan's site, has closed. Um, now, this was the very first uh, Phantom community I ever experienced when I was online, getting into the Phantom uh, online community. And, Jermaine, you actually helped run the forum for a while there. Yeah, very sad news, but um, I guess it's uh, it was bound to happen with the popularity of Facebook because, um, you know, people can, you know, check up on their family and photos and post pictures of their meals and also discuss <laughs> fandom in the one location. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I ran it for a little while um, after it, uh, I don't know what the best word is, but after it split or after it was taken over from um, Dan from the Deep Woods, um, I helped him uh, just, you know, do the, day, the day-to-day running of it and, you know, trying to keep the, uh, the, troll, the trolling down by certain individuals and keep, try and keep the spammers out as much as possible. But the software was quite old and um, that, that actually ran the, the forum and so it was only a matter of time, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, and and didn't Dan for like he he was really into it for a while when he first took over, but then he just stopped kind of visiting and things basically slowly ground to a halt. Yeah, yeah, I really think that um that Facebook was because you know in the last probably in the last year there's been a real popularity of Facebook pages. You know, there's the Phantom Collector, there's the uh, the unofficial. Phantom Club, there's the Fan Cave um, of Phantom Fandom, I think it was. There's um, the Fandom News, which is run by uh, Ivan over in Norway. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of different uh, Phantom Facebook pages out there. And then there's the Phantom one, which is actually run by, um, I think it's uh, Tony DePaul's wife. So there are quite a lot of um, Phantom Facebook pages out there. So it was yeah. only a matter of time. Yeah, it's a shame, really, because um, I quite like message boards. Like, I, I realise that we have two Facebook pages for Chronicle Chamber, one that we post our, our news and stuff on, and the other one, of course, being Phantom Collector. Um, but it, Facebook, having Facebook pages has become something of a necessity if you want to get your uh, website seen by, by as many people as possible, because, of course, so many people are on it. But I, I much prefer prefer message boards myself. Um, I, I wish yeah. message boards were still, you know, as popular as they were in the you know late nineties to early two thousands. Um, yeah, definitely. Even, even um, with all the the dramas that sometimes occur on such places, um, both of us are pretty familiar with that, I think. But yeah, I, I much prefer message boards to Facebook. But like I say, Facebook is just a kind of necessary evil now. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, it's definitely an evil. I will say that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been good because there has been 
not all of them, but probably the majority of the um, uh, the forum people are on Facebook. Yeah. Um, so the conversations there, and there's been, I guess, an introduction to a whole, you know, new bunch of people um, on Facebook that we didn't, you know, uh, talk to and relate to on the forum. So that's a positive if there if there is one. Yeah, the thing I find about the forums is that um, conversations can often get much more in-depth and much more involved than you really have the ability to on Facebook. Facebook seems to be more, I suppose the best way to to analyse it would be to say forums are for conversations where Facebook is for chatting, if that kind of makes, makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of stuff gets lost in Facebook as well. Exactly, exactly. So yes, I much prefer forums, and that's that's why I keep the Chronicle Chamber forums open, even though it doesn't get a heck of a lot of action nowadays. But um, yes, if if you're like Jermaine and I and prefer forums, please come over to the Chronicle Chamber forums and say good day. We're all very friendly people. <laughs> Most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. <laughs> Unless you rip off, I don't know, Doctor Who or something, then then you get banned. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I remember I, I joked about that. Someone said they didn't like Doctor Who, and my my reply was, "Well, you're banned then." And they thought I was serious, which which was quite funny. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I, I digress. Um, so so the next bit of news we have, which is which is kind of exciting, but I'm trying not to get my hopes up too much, is there is rumoured to be another Phantom movie in the works. Although this is the second or third time since the Billy Zane film that we've heard that there may be another Phantom movie. Um, I originally found the article on comicbookmovie.com, which had pretty much every single fact that they posted about the Phantom completely and utterly incorrect. So I found <laughs> I found the website they got their information from, which was trackingboard.com, who um, is a more reliable source. Uh, there's not a lot of information about what this movie is or could be. Um, a man by the name of Drew Simon is executive producer for the Mark Gordon Company, who um, have produced a lot of successful TV shows such as uh, Criminal Minds, Grey's Anatomy, um, Ray Donovan, who I've not actually heard of, but apparently it's quite popular in the US. Personally, looking through the list of TV shows that they've been involved with, I don't watch any of them. But they are, or, or we know how successful shows like Criminal Minds is. Um, well, so hopefully Criminal Minds, Criminal Minds, and Ray Dominant. I haven't watched Ray Dominant, but I know someone who watches it and enjoys it, and I've talked to him about it. Um, they're quite darkish shows, so that could be a positive. Yeah, well, every time we've um, we've had a new rumour about a possible future movie you know there was the Phantom Legacy um, that was by the Australian creators a couple of years ago and then of course there was the sci-fi TV series all of them have sort of aimed for a darker tone a more kind of for lack of a better description Batman Begins type tone which I know a lot of fans out there don't like the idea of a dark Phantom but I think it would work and I think honestly I think to be accepted um, as a movie, not as a comic, so completely separate from the comic, but 
to be accepted as a live-action movie by the general populace, the people that, you know, have never read the comic before or only have a passing knowledge of the character, I think it has to be a little bit darker. Um, Definitely. Because a guy running around a jungle in purple tights, while, yes, it looks great in the comic, that sort of thing doesn't always translate well to the big screen, which you could use the Billy Zane film as an example of. I personally really like the costume in that. I don't have a problem with it, but it's also a very different tone of movie than um, what I guess is popular at the moment. Um, it, it's a lot more yeah. pulpy. What's, what I find interesting is you've got you know, in the movies, you've got, you know, you've got, I say, okay, so you've got, like, the Batman trilogy, which was very popular. Um, even the new Spider-Man, in a sense, is a little bit more darker than the original um, Tobey Maguire ones. Yes. Yep, that's true. It's, um... um and then you've got the... Arrow's probably the most popular TV show, or the comic based TV show at the moment, um, and that is also quite darkish and realistic as well. Yeah. So I, I think you have to go down that path. Yeah, exactly. And unless... See, Marvel's done a very clever thing with their movies, and I honestly can't pinpoint how they've done it, but they've managed to keep that, you know, the bright costumes, you know, Thor's got his big red cape and um, Iron Man still, you know, very much the the, the gold and red uh, armoured suit where they could have easily gone black for that and they've made it work because they've kind of, while they've, they've kept that look, they've stri- treated the source material very seriously. They haven't kind of, for lack of a better term, camped it up, which admittedly the Phantom movie, the Billy Zane one, did do a little bit. Um so I think they have to be really careful with how the, they take that. I think the thing that works with the Marvel ones is the um, is the choice of the actors. Yeah. Um, like um, Robert Downey Jr. He's a he's a well known actor, um, mm-hmm. and you know he, to be honest, you know even his lifestyle is perfect Tony Stark. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, he, 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 and so, you know, he's, in a sense, he's almost made for that part. Um, and so the, the, the character choice was really strong, really popular for that. And even the supporting actors that they've had were very popular, popular actors as well. And then yeah. you've got other characters who may not be as well known, but they're, um, I'm just trying to think of the, of the proper term here, but they're very, um, uh, pleasing on the eye, I guess is probably, uh, uh, a more probably a, a way you can describe it. Like you've got four who um, you know, who's the eye candy for the girls um, yeah. and you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So the 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 character choice or the actor choice is very good with the Marvel um with the Marvel series where you know where something with Arrow it might not be as popular of an actor, mm-hmm. but the storyline and the darkness works well for that. So I think if you can't get the story right, you almost have to go a, a proper actor yeah, or a well-known actor. Yeah, that's true. And, and um, they've been very, very 
uh, brave with who they've who they've cast. Like for example, you mentioned Thor. Yes, he's very pretty to look at for the girls, but he's also a very good actor. And Chris Hemsworth, mm. um, for those who may not know, is an Australian actor. He was in a um, uh, soap opera that that is produced here called Home and Away. I think it was Home and Away, or was it Neighbours? He was in one of them. Uh, I think it was Home and Away, but don't quote me on that. I don't watch the show. No, I, I don't either. And that's kind of the point. I was going to make before Thor, before he was announced as being Thor, I had never heard of Chris Hemsworth. I had no idea who he is. He is in um, Star Trek, the first movie, the Star Trek reboot for about, I don't know, 20 minutes and then he gets killed. Sorry, spoilers if you haven't seen that. Um, so, but what I'm getting at is, <laughs> is Marvel took this basically completely unknown actor and cast him in one of the biggest roles they possibly could have. Um, so they've been, they were very brave. And, and another example is um, the directors they've picked. So um, for the first Captain American movie, they picked Joe Johnson, who was known for um, his very well-realized, very real-feeling period films. And, of course, Captain America was set during World War II. But then for the sequel, they got um, Anthony and Joe Russo, who were known for making very um, dramatic, action-y um, sort of political intrigue movie. So they're picking directors who fit the kind of film that they want to make, which um, even if, you know, at, at the start, when, you know, it's announced, you think, oh, well, that's not really a, um, an act, uh, sorry, a director you would pick to film a superhero movie. Well, no, they're not thinking of the movie as a superhero movie. Uh, for example, Kenneth Brunner, who directed the first Thor, is best known for his Shakespearean things. And when you, you know, think of, Superheroes, you don't automatically go Shakespeare, but of course this is Thor, who is very Shakespearean, and it's um in the way he talks, and you know they've got those big Shakespearean stories. So they pick directors that fit the movie rather than just shoehorning in whoever's available. Um, yeah. So yeah, it comes I, down to money. Sorry. Well, yeah, I was saying, it, I was, does. it comes down to money. I don't know if. Um, I, I don't know who would own the. I don't know whether it will come down to King Features or Hearst or, or whoever. Um, but for them to make money, they would have to dish out money. And would they do that? Well, I don't know. I suppose it depends how much hope they're pinning on it. Um, they might do a smaller scale movie to start off with um, and see how it goes. Because uh, if you remember back to the original X-Men movies, um, when they did the very first X-Men film, uh, they thought they didn't think it was going to be successful. They thought it was going to be a flop. It was actually quite a risk for uh, Fox to, to do that film. Um, and then, of course, it ended up being hugely successful, which is now why we have, what, six or seven of them. Um, so, yeah, they, they might do a smaller film to start off with and then give more money to you know, the sequel or something, but it just depends what their plan is, I suppose. Hmm. True. But I, I guess, I guess uh, for all the fans out there, be excited, um, but don't hold your breath for it because, uh, well, the Billy Zane Phantom movie was, there was supposed to be, there was two sequels uh, uh, contracted afterwards and then there was um, another one before the legacy and then there was a legacy 
And then there was even the rumours of the guy who directed or produced or wrote um, the new Judge Dredd movie, saying that he yep. wouldn't mind doing a Phantom one. So there's been lots of talk, you know, from the almost 20 years since the uh, Billy Zane movie. And the closest we've got, I guess, is the sci-fi one, which was a bit of a hit and a miss. Yeah, it got some things right, but it got some things very, very wrong. <laughs> and it wasn't successful enough to be picked up for series, unfortunately. So, yeah, bit of a shame. But hopefully something will come of this, especially with superhero movies being so popular at the moment. So um, hopefully we'll see another film soon. Yeah, definitely. It'll be, it'll be nice. It would be very nice, yes. Um Okay, so the last bit of news we have is the Chronicle Chamber gathering for this year, which, like previous years, will be at uh, Supernova, the Pop Culture Expo in Sydney. For those that don't know, the Chronicle Chamber gathering is exactly that. It's where a whole bunch of we Phantom fans gather together at uh, SupernovaCon to catch up, talk, and fight over various collectibles that are being sold there. Um, all the information is up on the website. If you go to the website, you'll see in the um, sidebar on the right-hand side a banner saying Gathering 2014. If you click on that, you'll be taken to all the details. Um, so the gathering itself is free, all, uh, and we have that outside of the convention because there's uh, food, um, uh, places you can go and eat, and lots of places to sit down and chat. So the actual gathering itself is free because... We're not going anywhere fancy, but if you want to go into the convention itself, of course you will have to pay for that, and um, ticket information is on the site as well. As well as the gathering, that very same night is the Lee Fork Memorial Bengala Explorers Club dinner. Oh, man, that is always such a mouthful to say. <laughs> it um, is, but even the, even the LFMBEC is just as hard. Yeah, we should, we should come up with Lufumbeck. Yeah, we'll call it Luffenbeck. No, that, I don't think Richard would be too happy about that. Um, yeah, I don't think that would catch. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Leaf Fork dinner is the exact same night as as the gathering. Um, and the special special guest is Paul Ryan, who is, uh, of course, famous for um, his work with Egmont in Phantom Circles. Uh, so there is a cost to that. The cost is $130 per person. Uh, but that includes a three-course dinner and wine and, and um, of course, the rent of the venue, um, which is the Sydney Function Room um, at the City Tetrasals Club in Pitt Street, um, which I believe the dinner's been held at before, but I can't actually remember which year that was. It was the last one. It was the last one. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's actually the first time that we've had a dinner at, uh, at the same location as previous. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't get to the last one, Jermaine. So, what did you think of the um? The um, it was good. Um, the last year was awesome. Um, of course, there's the podcast. Everyone can you know go and listen to it and stuff. Um, for more information on it. But um, no, last year was good. Um, are you going this year? Yep, I'll be there this year. Are you, are you bringing your partner? No, unfortunately, she's um she's performing in a musical, so she won't be able to come. Ah, uh, so in other words, you are, you are able to be able to buy some stuff while she's not she's exactly. Not <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so no um now if you if you are wanting to be get an invite or come to this dinner, if you haven't 
come to one before. The best way to do it is to uh, contact Richard, um, who kind of, you know, basically organises it. And I think his contact details are on the um, on the website again. Yep, they are. All the um, all of the contact details for Richard is there. Yeah, so you know, come, um, you know, everyone that comes enjoys it. Everyone, uh, you know, looks forward to it. Everyone, you know, they remortgage the house or refinance, <laughs> um, or you know, sell their children's uh, kidneys or something like that to be able to go. Um, it's it's well worth it. Um, it's it's good fun. Um, so yeah, it, I'll just you know rec- really recommend everyone to come to it if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always a really good, really good time. Yeah, and of course we'll uh, take some photos and you know share them on the website and stuff like that for everyone as well. Mm-hmm. Of course. Um, so yeah, so I guess Supernova will be interesting because as well as because um, uh, uh, Paul Ryan will be there. He does the current daily newspaper stories. Yes. But um, yes. also uh, Stan Lee will be there as well. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> so are you going to fork out the extra to go see Stanley? Um, well, he, he's going to just have a regular signing booth, isn't he? Or is there something um, fancy well, going on? From what, I've, from what I've understood is that you've got to um, pay like an extra fee or something. And you, got, you, know, you go see him and he has certain signing stations and stuff like that and and all that. Um, I've, I know one guy who's thinking of doing it, and so um, um, if he does do it, I'm going to probably give him one of my Phantom comics, the Defenders of the Earth one, which mm-hmm. he wrote the subplot for or something. Yeah. I'm going to get him to sign that. So that would oh, be nice. Oh. Yeah, I, I'd really like to, sit, to go up and see him, um, get him to sign some stuff, but I'll just have to, uh, just have to see how much it is if it's an extra fee. I can't imagine it being huge. It might be $50 or something, but um, I can't imagine it being a huge amount. Yeah, well, it's a big draw card. Um, yeah, exactly. It was, actually my, it was actually my wife that told me that he was coming. Um, so it just goes to show what you know what a pickup that is going to be for, um, for Supernova. He's only coming to Sydney. Yeah. Um, now, you know, so there's, I, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of you know, for the Phantom fans that uh, live in other parts of Australia that, uh, apart from Sydney or apart from, you know, Sydney and the surrounding areas, um, you know, it's not too late to book some flights and some accommodation. Um, it does get a little bit expensive when you're having to pay flights and stuff, but um, I do it every year from Perth. Uh, and it costs about 200 bucks, one way, you know, one way, 400 bucks each way. Um, it's well worth it. Um, you know, it's an enjoyable, it's an enjoyable time, and you know, you get to catch up with people that you only ever get to see once or twice a year. Um, yeah. And you know, there's always you know, little swaps going along, and you know, you meet awesome people, and and um, you know, it's 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 a really good time for all. Yeah. Well, I'm just looking at the Supernova website now, and um, tickets for Sydney have gone on sale. Um, so you can, you can get those. I'm just trying to find out how much it is, but the website's not loading. Um, Normally about twenty eight dollars. Yeah, twenty eight thirty bucks around that. Around that. Um, 
Stan Lee's pricing is to get an autograph is $60. To get a photograph with him is 100 So, yeah, that's that's quite expensive. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I'm but probably, I, yeah, I think, you know, if you can get one guy, you know, one guy who will bite the bullet and sacrifice himself for everyone else, mm. um, you, know, get, you know, so he can line up and for the four hours... Yeah. And then you give him the comic and the money, and then, you know, you can go do the other stuff. Yep. Yeah. Wow. hundred bucks. I didn't think it would be that much. Um, <laughs> wow. Um, anyway, moving yeah. on. Okay, so what else do we have? Okay. We'll um, so we'll discuss a little bit about Fru. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably two things about Fru, uh, and then we'll go into the latest four issues as well. Uh, probably the first one is the rep, the Fruit Replica series, which was announced in 1691, I believe it was. Yep. Um, now there hasn't been, there's been a few little notes in the back of the last couple of comics, but apart from that, there's not really much new about it. Um, so I'll just read what's in Fruit. It's, you know, introducing the new Fruit Replica series. 100-page special editions of original stories, three to four stories as they originally appeared. Inside colour splash pages introducing each story. Interestingly, counting down from the original issue 199, which was 1961, to issue 1, which was 1948. And this starts on issue 1695, which is going to be on sale on the 20th of May. Mm-hmm. So... Well, um, probably the best way I'll describe what I, the vision that I get with this is that it's going to be, you know, a hundred page issue and it's going to, um, I guess probably just include the original stories that as they were appeared, so they'll be heavily censored, they'll be heavily edited, um, you know, the, the condition may not be the best, but I guess, you know, it will be kind of giving people a bit of a look and feel of what it looked like to have a comic from back there. Um, Egmont, which is the Swedish phantom publisher, they have recently done something similar, but where they get a year to three years and put them in a hardcover book and release it like that. I have brought one yesterday to have a bit of a look at, um, but I probably won't get that for the next month or two. Um, I have noticed from some of my other visits in comic book shops and stuff like that that Marvel have done something similar. Like they've, it's kind of like a, a beginnings or, or or something like that. Um, with they've done it, I know they've done it with like the Hulk, you know, Iron Man and Spider Man and stuff. So it's re-releasing the original stories. Now I must admit I'm a little bit I'm a little bit pessimistic about this series, to be honest. Um, Kudos to Steve for coming up with an idea. And, you know, all credit goes to him, you know, because he has, um, he has, he he has and he's trying new things. So, you know, he deserves credit where it's due. But we've already got the replica series and, you mean, you mean the ones to that me, come with the annuals? And to a lot of other... Yeah, the ones that come with the, with the annuals. 
they're they're just you know they don't hold that much interest. Yeah. Um, and you know why would we want stories that are heavily edited and um, uh, not as they originally originally were intended when the predecessor to Steve, which is Jim, uh, uh, spent so much time and effort to give us the stories unedited, uncensored. So, my, so a little bit, a little bit dubious, a little bit pessimistic because a little bit wary because it kind of feels like we're going a little bit backwards. Yeah, yeah. What I would have, I would have preferred if they're going to do a um, reprint series. What I would have much preferred. I've mentioned this previously on the podcast is to collect all those multi-part stories into one volume, you know, like like your Ibis Mystery, um, Golden Fleece, Spear of Destiny, uh, Year One, all that sort of stuff. Collect that into, you know, one volume or, you know, depending on how many issues, maybe two volumes, um, rather than just have the random reprints of, of older stories that we've already seen reprinted a dozen times before. That, that's what I personally would prefer because I much I'm, I'm must be getting old because I much like uh, prefer rather reading stuff in the one volume now rather than you know having all the separate issues. <laughs> and and some of yeah. those stories too can be hard to track down. Um, and especially when you had I think the Spear of Destiny was a really bad one for it, and um, maybe it was Year One as well where you'd have you know the first two parts and then the next two or three issues would have nothing to do with Spirit Destiny, and then suddenly you'd get part three, and then another one or two issues that had nothing to do with it. So it got, I suppose, for the uninitiated, it got a bit confusing as to what was actually going on. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I, I hope, I hope it works, um, you know, for Fru's sake, and, um, and, you know, like I said before, you know, Steve deserves credit for trying different things. You know, mm-hmm. he's released a Phantom comic. He's brought out a um, uh, the Phantom website. He's, um, you know, he's brought in, uh, the competition and stuff like that. So, you know, he deserves credit for trying things. But I, I must admit, I wouldn't have picked that this would be one of the things that works. No, especially with um, the Hermes Press Reprints. Um, I would imagine a lot of the more hardcore fans, so I guess the audience for this podcast would be more likely to buy those rather than um, the free reprints because, of course, the Hermes stuff is all hard-covered and it's on – and I know Fru is improved with paper, which we'll get to in a moment, but that's even higher-quality paper again, hardcover and all that sort of stuff. Well, what you see in Herms is basically – is basically the same stuff as what you've seen in Fru. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I actually have in a couple of the Herms, I've gone through page by page, panel by panel, with some of the um, Fru comics, and it's exactly the same stuff. You know, yeah. it's exactly the same. Um, but the, it's that higher production yeah. quality that that's the thing. You know, the hardcover and the beautiful paper and all that sort of stuff. And um, the nice introductions and yeah, which and, is. And, and, Sorry. Yeah, well, that that and and they've been very popular. They've actually just recently released uh, Volume One again because yeah, they've re- the original the original Volume One was was you know out of print. Um, it was sold out. You know, people were paying two three hundred dollars just to get a copy because it was that popular. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see where this goes. Um, I hope that it works, but I must admit I am a little bit, uh, a little bit unsure whether it will. Yeah, I'm just wondering who the audience is, whether, um, whether he's trying to get a more casual audience in with these, with these books, because like I say, the, um, more hardcore probably already know about Hermes. And I'm sure there's some who would consider themselves hardcore fans that don't buy Hermes because they don't feel the price point is, uh, acceptable and maybe this would be great for them. But, um, yeah, like you say, it, it is a strange, strange thing to choose when there are other, other ways he, he could have improved or, or gone for another, another series. But, but I guess, we will be able to review it and give a, a better indication once yeah. we um, once we get it, which is you know which is two issues away, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, two issues away, and it's about a fortnight away, so or maybe three weeks away. So you know we'll be able to, and I'm sure there will be lots of discussion on Facebook. Um, yeah. So you know, jump on Facebook and you know have you know give us your own opinion. If we're wrong, which we probably are, you know, please <laughs> tell us that we are. And if you like it, you know, please do. And um, because I guess you know we're you know we're not always right most of the times, but not always. Most of the time, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll probably <laughs> I'll probably pick up at least the first issue and, and see what it's like, and then um, uh, base my opinion. From yeah. There. And I think that's probably the best way to do it is give it a go, give it one or two issues. Maybe you know, I personally I want to buy them all, um, but I think you have to buy and have a look at them to be able to give a proper um, a proper judgment. And you know, maybe we are selling it. You know, we probably are selling it short. Um, and you know, maybe next podcast we're going to turn around and say that you know, Steve Shepard is an absolute legend. And he's, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, he's on the money and don't listen to us. Yeah. But, you know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll see from there. Yeah, and I suppose, too, it'll, it'll depend, um, again, what the production values are. Like, if it's a special thing, it says 100-page specials, is it going to be like their usual 100-page specials or are they going to make it a little bit fancy, you know, that sort of thing? Because if it's a bit fancier than the regular 100-page specials, then, yeah, I'd probably buy them. If it's the same... Um, so basically a bigger version of a regular fruit comic, I'd probably not get it and just get the um, Hermes editions and spend the, what is it, 10 bucks or something on, um, on you know, other fan and back issues I need or something like that. Mm. But, yeah, we'll find out. So I guess in with that discussion, talking about, you know, the fact that Steve is making changes and all that, probably one of the bigger changes is the fact that um, from, was it six, uh, 1691, that there has been um, a new paper stock? Mm-hmm. So have you managed to um, had a bit of a look at the different paper stocks? Uh, yeah, well, I've got issue 1691 in front of me. And um, as soon as you open the issue, you can tell that the paper is of a better quality. Um, so I don't know if, if it's, a little, it's a little bit more waxy. Yeah, it's it's a bit glossier, or well, a bit smoother. Um, there's not as much texture on it. Um, I don't know if because we mentioned a couple of uh, episodes ago that you know we felt that the the paper had been improved already. So whether the printing uh, the printing process for those issues had improved, or he, Steve, gradually increased the the paper quality. I don't know, but um, 
yeah, th- this is even better again. And like I say, as soon as you open the issue, you, you can tell you can tell that it's different paper because it's like you say a lot more smooth, a lot waxier. Um, I'm just trying to find an old issue. I should have one here so I can compare the two. I'm having a bit of a look at the moment, and the blacks seem darker. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's, that's um, definitely true. So I guess there's that high contrast. And in black and white, you know, it is quite popular. Um, yeah, well, I've got uh, issue um, what, uh, 1686 here, which is a couple of issues before, but comparing the paper, there is a noticeable difference in whiteness. Um, the printing in this issue is in 1686 is quite good. Um, there's no smudging or blurriness. But, yes, the the paper is noticeably wider if you compare the two. Um, the blacks are a lot more crisper, or a lot, a lot more crisp, I should say. Um, and generally, yeah, it's, it just feels, the paper feels a lot, a lot thicker as well. Yeah, the, the one eight, uh, sorry, one six eight six has more of that butcher's paper type feel. But, um. Yeah, so, um, so that's quite, quite encouraging. It's quite, um, yeah, good very. stuff. And, and I'm very impressed that, um, he was able to put the price, uh, sorry, the paper quality up without increasing the price. Because whenever Marvel or DC say, oh, we're using new paper, their price goes up by about three bucks. Or maybe not three, but it goes up anyway. With our exchange rate, it may as well be three bucks. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Q's, Q's? Kudos, that's the word I'm looking for. Kudos to, um, Steve for this. Kudos. Yeah, it's, it's very, some very nice stuff. It actually looks like a um, proper legitimate comic now rather than a newspaper with a fancy cover. Which, um, That's it. So I guess we'll go on to the stories now. Yep. Uh, uh, um, the latest the latest fruits. Yep. So um, going back, it's uh, 1690 to 1693, so just four issues this time. Um, so did you pick up 1690? Uh, six. Which issue was that? Sixteen nineties. Uh, three story classic. It's got the uh the the daily um story of the aeronaut, which is um. Oh yeah. No, uh, I didn't. I didn't pick that up. The black old pirates and the lions of uh Kukan, which are two um uh which are two older. Newspaper stories by Lee Fork and Wilson McCoy. Uh, no, Sky Barry, sorry. Yeah, no, actually, um, the only issue of those four I've picked up is 1691. I um, haven't picked up 1692 and 1693 because they're reprints. I believe Stravel's Triangle is a reprint, is it? Stravel's Triangle? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, they're, issue, they're stories already right, Well, I guess so. everyone has to. Yeah, I guess everyone will have to listen to me then uh, <laughs> for a little bit. <laughs> so the Aeronaut, um, which was a daily story, um, it's quite an interesting story. Like it's got you know a mixture of um, you know of the Phantom of you know in World War One, the current Phantom and and, and stuff. Um, so it's it's got a nice mixture, I guess, of um, uh, of different types of fandom. It's a longer story. It goes for about 50 pages. No, yeah, about 50-odd pages. Um, it's a fun story. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a, an earth-breaking, you know, earth-shattering story that you, 
you will reread and reread, you know, in 20, in 20, 20 years' time. But it's, you know, it's an, it's an okay story. Uh, you got the Black Gold Pirates, which is an American Sunday that ran in, in the 60s. Um, what I do like about it is that uh, he's put up the top because of the panels don't quite fit. Uh, instead of just having blank space, he's put a, a scrolling advert for the uh, new Phantom comic website. But it's good because, it, it, you know, in a sense, it, it's kind of like, okay, let's get the panels right, and then we can worry about filling the empty space in afterwards. Yeah. That's how I kind of see it. So um, instead of, you know, squashing and splitting and, you know, uh, molesting the panels to, uh, you know, the page. It's, it's good that he hasn't done it like this. Um, so, yeah, so the, again, they're not that, you know, the stories I've had heaps of times. Uh, of the story, of the three stories, I probably prefer the uh, the lines of the Kukan um, more than the others. Um, the cover's probably not the best. Uh, it's not Antonio's best work. Um, the fa- like hero's face and the fan's face look a little bit, um, um, a little bit blurred, a little bit messed up. Yeah. But yeah. so I guess we'll move on to the next story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the next story is the butcher from Clarksville, which I believe you have, which is a new Egmont yep. story, which is from. Um, uh, who's the Sil- Silverbow Silverbow yeah. and Salvaluto I'm not sure what Silverbow or if that's how it's pronounced if that's his uh, what his yes. first name is but it's definitely Salvaluto who has done the art and oh gorgeous art it is too I love his work you're um, you're a huge fan of his work I'm not oh yeah um it's it's now I don't know if anyone picked up but there's a few little um there's a few things in here that are um, that are worth mentioning. Where was it? Um, the hotel that one of the that the fat bald guy is hiding out at is where is it? Is Hotel Lignate, yeah, which I've is named after um, Bill Lignate, which is uh, yeah, which is the uh, Phantom artist. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice little pick up, and then he's got the um, He's, he's a weird guy, like he's, you know, he's got a little smiley face badge and he's watching cartoons and stuff like that, Tom and Jerry. And, um, so, yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a nice story. Um, so, you know, it's a detective type of story, I guess, you know, follow the, um, you know, follow the clues and, you know, and then there's a couple of twists of, you know, who the bad guy is and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah I, I, probably, I quite, quite enjoyed it myself. Yeah, it's um, it's a it's a good story. I like the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the covers. Apart from the fact that he's got stars on his hat, which <laughs> might be a little bit of an oversight, um, but I quite like the fact you know the the darkness of it, the blackness that stands out. You know, the red, the red title against the black uh, or the red and the yellow title against the black, sorry, and then you've got the Phantom in his trench coat and then you've got the bad guys in the background with the little torchlight effect, so 
I think he's done a um, he's done a, a good job. Yeah, it is a nice uh, cover. What's interesting is that it's got nothing to do with the story lot story though. Well, I suppose yeah, he I appears. As, if gonna go. He does appear as Mr. Walker at one point, doesn't he? Oh no, he's got a cap on. Yeah, so it's his. Um, oh no, his, no, there his, is when he goes to the post office. He's dressed as Mr. Walker. Page uh, seven. Yeah. yeah. That's true. But, yeah, so... Um, but, yeah, I wonder if it's a... I wonder if it's going to be a return of the days where we have a cover without... Not not based on the story. Yeah, maybe. Hopefully not. Anyway. But it's a break. It's a good cover. Um, mm-hmm. Moving on to 1692, which is the shark's nest, um, which is a... Um, which is a reprint of a story back in the th- late 30s, 1938. Um, you know, it's a great story, but, um, you know, I- I've read it a million times. So, um, you know, if you haven't read it or, you know, you haven't read it for a while, it's worth picking up again. This reminds me, this is the era of the fandom that I like the best, you know, like the, the 30s and early 40s of the, you know, where the, where the fandom law was still being created. Um, there's the whole mysterious and dark side of the fandom. Um, you know, so that, that's, the, that's the era of the fandom I like the best. Fair enough. Cool. Um, what's interesting about this, co- uh, this issue is that I'm not a real fan of the cover. It's um, like with the whole, the whole dot matrix. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think they kind of missed a trick with the cover, but I like the um, uh, at the back of this back of the the um, the comic they have a fandom forum and they have the competition results. Mhm. Uh, and I like the photo or the scan or something of um, of some of the the entries to the actual competition that people put in. There's one with a, um, a phantom, like the envelope, and it's got a phantom face and the phantom peak and, and stuff on it. So it's very, um, it was very, uh, very nice, and it was good to see a competition come back. Yeah. Um, and in the phantom forum, just, it's got a, it's got a, um, a mention about, uh, how someone didn't enter the competition because they didn't want to, um, cut the comic in cut the comic and, um, because, you know, he wants them all in mint condition. Um, and Steve actually said that he didn't, he didn't think that one through correctly, but he will come up with an alternative for next time. So that's an interesting side note saying, I know that was a huge discussion on, uh, uh, on Facebook with a couple of fans. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, yeah, and I guess the last story is The Devil's Triangle. Uh, which is 1693, which is a reprint from 731, which was all the way back in 1981, which is, so that's what, 40 years ago? Yeah, Um, that sounds right. So it's a long time, to be honest. Um, it's, It's an enjoyable comic, and it's an enjoyable story. It's a a typical 1980s, 1970s, you know, type of phantom story. You know, Diana gets in trouble, he rescues her, you know, he faces near death, 
gets away with it and he gets to, you know, spend the weekend or a week with, you know, Diana. Um, so, you know, there's no, nothing wrong with the story. has been used a million times. Yeah. Um, one, another, so the story's great. Um, I enjoy the story. If you haven't read it or you haven't got 731 or you've been looking again 731 to read the story, buy this one instead. Um, <laughs> because it will be a lot cheaper. Um, what's interesting is that seeing all the old stories went for, um, like, you know, less than, like, 30 pages or something, he's, um, Steve, or Fru, has um, put in, like, uh, fillers, which were actually shown in the original page, in uh, the original comic. So we have a page of Ripley's Believe It or Not, <laughs> Oh, which cool. I loved reading, uh, and also a page of the old uh, Jungle Club or the the Phantom Club. That's so pretty that, cool. Yeah, so it's good to kind of see that. And then he's also put in a page of the Phantom Encyclopedia, so that way if people haven't got it or people are umming and ahhing about buying it, they can kind of have a bit of a sneak peek at what what is in it. Um, if you are still umming and ahhing about buying it, buy it. Um, it is a great read. So yeah, um, and then and then the front cover is a is a Photoshop uh, snap from one of the interior pages. Now I love the cover. The cover it's a wraparound cover. The thing I don't like about it is the text box and the big. Um, porthole behind the word Phantom in the title Devil's Triangle. I think it would have been a lot better if he had got rid of the text box and the porthole because yeah, the text box and the porthole just kind of takes away from it. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a but shame, part, let's say. Yeah, but I love the idea of the wraparound cover and I think it works quite well. Yeah, it's the first time in a while they've done one of those. Yeah, and it, yeah, it works. Works nice, you know. It's again, it's the fandom in a different uh, portrait or a different view than what we're used to. Um, and you know, it's got sharks. It's got the fandom tied up. It's got the one that is, you know, is um, uh, in a dire situation. It's it's a nice colour. It stands out on the um, on the newspaper racks. Uh, Every time I go past a newsagent, I always have a look just to see how well the covers kind of stand out. Yeah. And this blue actually stands out quite well. Yeah, cool. I might have to pick this issue up. Yeah, it's got, you know, it's got, for the nostalgic, you know, um, I can't even say the word at the moment. Nostalgia? But it's got, you know, the rip- yeah, it's got the Ripley's Believe It or Not and the... Um, and the this the page of the old um, Phantom Club, so it's. I, I thought that was a nice way of adding in some pages. You know, um, I would rather see that than an advert for, um, you know, uh, some annuals that I've already got or uh, a watch I've already got from Bradford yeah. Exchange. Yeah, that's yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Cool. So, anything else you wanted to mention about the issues? No, not really. Um, you know, just kind of fly through them pretty quickly, give everyone a bit of a snapshot of them. Um, 
it's yeah. So so the stories there's a lot of reprint stories in those four out of the uh, six stories. There you know five of them are reprints, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. It's interesting that they tend to kind of be all clumped together, but um, you know uh, there's some good stories in there. Uh, the shark's nest would probably be my favourite. Yeah, because it's an old classic from the from the forties. I just thought too, if Fru is starting this new re- reprint series, I wonder if that means that the regular issues, so um, issue sixteen ninety three, sorry sixteen ninety four, and so on, are all going to be new stories now. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, because I, I can't imagine. The point of having a special reprint series, but still doing reprints in the regular series, that would just seem seem strange. Yeah, so yeah that that'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Now, because there, there is a need of bringing out older school reprint stories, because uh, Egmont releases how many do they release? They release about I think it's between fifteen and twenty a year. Um, and then out of the newspaper stories, you're probably going to get about four a year. So there's, yeah. on a good, on a, you know, there's going to be a maximum of, you know, 24, 20, you know, 22 to 24 news stories a year. Mm-hmm. And three releases 31. So there's anywhere between, you know, 10 and 8 issues that are going to have uh, reprint stories in it. Yeah, that's a good point. Hmm, well, it'll be interesting to see, see how it turns out. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, well, um, just on to the next thing. We have a very special announcement for this episode of Expand. Um, I was recently contacted by uh, Kerry Through, the man who is, uh, I suppose, the owner-operator of Limitless Visions, who is the um, Australian... Uh, I suppose, retailer or reseller of the uh, Casual Friday Phantom clothing line and, of course, the three-inch, oh, was it three-and-a-half-inch PVC Phantom figures that we have posted about on the website and um, did a little review of uh, a couple of episodes ago. He has donated three of the purple PVC figures to us at Chronicle Chamber um, for us to give away in competitions. And we're go- so we're going to have a special competition in order to give these three figures away, which will open as soon as you hear this very podcast. So what you need to do in order to win one of these uh, figures is the following. We thought um, long and hard, well, okay, Jermaine and I had a bit of a conversation before the show <laughs> about um, how we can make this fun and kind of interesting. And we came up with the idea of a kind of photo competition so what you need to do is either be dressed in your favourite phantom attire, be it a costume, um, be it your favourite phantom t-shirt, whatever, doing something interesting. So you could be wearing a phantom t-shirt and reading a, com- a phantom comic on the train, or you could be wearing your favourite phantom boxer shorts while you're playing footy. Um, or if you prefer, if you have some nice Phantom collectibles, like say uh, a Phantom action figure or something like that, that you would like to put into some sort of pose, um, maybe you could have the Phantom action figure cutting up carrots, um, sitting on 
uh, a porcelain throne rather than a skull one, something like that. Basically, we want it to be interesting. We want it to be funny. Um, your actual skill as a photographer isn't so much uh, the issue here as how creative you can be with your with your photos. So that's the deal. What we'd like you to do is take your photos, and we'd like to limit it to one photo per entry. Does that sound fair, Jermaine? That sounds fair. Yep. So if you take a bunch of photos, pick whichever you think is the best, and email it to us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Make sure you attach the photo to your email, and also, of course, include um, any contact details. So email address and actually no just make sure you include your postal address and of course your name um, and then once we've picked the winner, the winner we'll contact those individuals and ask for their postal address so you have until midnight on the 31st of this month which is May to get your photos in and then Jermaine and I will deliberate over which we feel are the best three and let everybody know um, once the competition is over and we've announced the winners, everybody's photos will get shown on the website, not just, just the three winning ones. So, just to go over that really quickly, if you'd like to win one of the three PVC Phantom figures from um, Casual Friday and Limitless Visions, take a creative photo of yourself or someone in some Phantom attire or your Phantom collectibles and email them to us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. So, we look forward to seeing all your photos coming in. Okay, um, I think that's pretty much I've, everything I've got for this episode. Jermaine, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, that's all pretty good. I'm really excited about the competition. Uh, it's something new, something different. Um, yeah, so looking forward to it. Yep. Oh, and uh, also, listeners, this is the first episode using our new format, which um, I discussed briefly in the previous episode, and I don't think we've gone over the hour mark. Um, I've just hit an hour, so let us know if you if you prefer this new this new format. Right out. Well, if that's it, I suppose we should wrap up. No worries. Uh, see you, Joe. See you, everyone else. Uh, happy rating. Happy uh, snapping. Getting those photos, and we look forward to seeing them all. Yep, most definitely. Righto, guys, thank you for listening to this, the 10th episode of X-Band, the Phantom podcast. We will hopefully be back in roughly two weeks' time for episode 11. All right, guys, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.